Good afternoon and welcome into another edition of the Vedette Redbird Beat Podcast. I am Vedette Sports Editor Josh Solentino, joined in today by Michael Mara, Senior Reporter. And today is April 7, 2017. Um, big day if you're an ISU fan. Um, at first we have Wichita State officially leaving the Missouri Valley Conference for the AAC um, American Conference. So that's huge news for the Valley. We're going to see who... We're going to discuss who we think will replace them and the just this whole state of the league moving forward and what this means for ISU and Dan Muller's squad. But first, also today marks the two-year anniversary of that tragic plane crash that happened just outside Bloomington Normal taking those seven lives. So before we begin, Mike, uh, we'll just take quick, for those tuning in, seven seconds of uh, silence in memory of them. So as we said, today marks that two-year anniversary. Um, before we kind of talk about what that day has meant uh, two years forward, Mike, I know you had a column um, this morning's paper about that, or yesterday's paper. Uh, kind of talk about what your experience was. I know you were a transfer. Yeah, that was my transfer day, and you know, not in ignorance of, of what had happened, but I did not know. I was just, I don't know, I woke up and I was excited to come down and mm-hmm. You know, it was weird. It was foggy. It was rainy. It was cloudy. It, it was just a gloomy day overall. It was looking back. It just makes it even more eerie that that's what happened. And so, as I got closer to the Bloomington Normal area, you know, a, a fog had set in, and that's what they had said. You know, reading all the articles about the plane crash, you know, they said that it was fog a factor and whatnot. And so there was that still that fog, and it just got gloomier and gloomier. And the entire day, I was walking around campus, and it was eerily quiet. I mean. It, it seemed like nobody was on campus. It seemed like I was walking around by myself. And and when you're on ISU campus, like a beautiful day like today, it's it's beautiful. Like the quad is, that's kind of the selling point. It's always a nice day at ISU. And that's the thing is it was so, just so cloudy and rainy. It seemed like a real, like, if you hadn't been there before or, or you know, you're on it on, a, on it on a day like that, you really think to yourself, this is kind of a quiet campus, not a place with much excitement. And But little did you know. Yeah. Um, a big event had just taken place. Yeah, and so after I, I had just got done scheduling my classes for the next year, and I was walking back to my car to leave, and uh, somebody from back home sent me a link to an article with uh, the details of the plane crash. And, and obviously I was not a part of the ISU community at that point, but I knew I was joining the community in just a couple months. And I couldn't even wrap my head around the fact that it had happened. And I didn't know these people. I didn't know any of these names. I just saw one was an assistant basketball coach. One was the deputy of athletics. And I was like, you know, that that's insane. It, that's really the only thing that I could think of was, was that was crazy. I couldn't wrap my head around it, and I had nothing to do or, you know, no relation to anything that had happened. And it really didn't – obviously you see all the Redbird 7 patches and then the basketball team the past two years have had the bracelets to say all in for T-Ward. And, you know, they always have the uh, those different T-shirts they wear during pregame with Tory Ward on, on the front of them. And I, I guess I didn't really truly know what Redbird 7 me- meant until we were sitting in St. Louis together mm-hmm. and Dan Muller got that award, the Coach, Coach of the, the Year, Year award. award, and he had just mentioned that Tory Ward should be sitting at Sweetie Pies like he did every year and, you know, how life's not fair and, and people lost a father, people lost a, um, a husband, and, you know, the, the, the team lost a father figure and a coach. 
and he just said then you see him start to well up a little bit and cry and 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 it was then that, that I kind of realized that they meant everything. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just what I said is, is it means everything to them. Redbird 7 means everything to this community. And, you know, they're still lost. Two years is not a long time. So this is still like a fresh wound. And, you know, just looking back on that day, uh, having no affiliation to this campus or this university at the time, you know, I, I feel as if with doing what I've had, what I have on this campus, I feel as if I did somewhat have a connection to them because that that is just how strong their memory still lives on on this campus to this day. Uh, for my part, actually, um, that season I was promoted a, a little mid-season to that Redbird hoops beat. So I don't have a rela- I didn't have a relationship with Tory Ward like how I do with coaches now, like the coaching staff with Dean and Yaklich and obviously Dan now. A lot closer with those guys. But, you know, Tori was still a fun guy to be around. You know, when I would walk in the tunnel before the game, he'd give me a little fist bump here and there. Really friendly guy, and you see what he meant to the team. Um, but the guy I want to hone in on right now is uh, T-Bone, Terry Starlow, uh, Pub 2 owner. It's crazy, the Just in my personal memory of him, two days before that, play, before they, before that championship day, um, that Saturday, I actually interviewed him for a story with the Vedette. Pub 2 in Normal had just won Best Uptown Bar in the Best Of Guide that we do annually. I'm actually going to come out soon, so we'll see if they win again. Um, But anyways, Pub 2 had just won Best Uptown Bar, and I had to go interview him. Gave him a call. um, Didn't reach him right away when I called the pub. Man, he called back within 10 minutes. I actually was playing phone tag with him, so I couldn't answer. And he left me the most bright voicemail. um, So just so much energy in the call that his voicemail that he left me, he was so happy that the pub had won and the what they meant to the, the school because that was the year that ISU went to Frisco and then people were partying at the pub when they were down in Texas. That scene was crazy. Um, and then I just got to meet him in person like that day. And it was kind of crazy just a few days later, just a couple days later, everything that happened. Till this day, I still have that voicemail. Um, on there, listening from time to time. Just um, probably going to give it a listen here today before I head over to um, the statues later and visit for my personal sake. Um, and then honing in a little on Aaron Leach. Um, like what you said, you weren't here, but Aaron, he was such a bright guy with the many donors um, that I have spoken to. He's truly missed, obviously replaced with Dwight now. And you're not going to replace a guy like Aaron. Like There's always going to be growing pains, but... Truly, as we all know, all seven of those people, all seven of those men, uh, truly, truly missed. And that's just it, as you can see with the statues out that they have outside Redbird Arena now. You can see all the Twitter feeds today. This is such a... You never think that a, that a day could mean so much, but this day, again, it just means everything to, to all Redbird athletics, all these Redbird fans. And it's like you said, Josh, they're still truly missed, and... You know the sadness and, and pain that these coaches, these teammates, or these these players and these families feel today. I can't even imagine because it's just seven lives lost in a plane crash, and you know there really aren't that many answers. And that's that's kind of what makes makes it worse is that there's no answers. But you know what? I mean, this Bloomington Normal community has moved on. You'll never fully move on from a, from an incident like this, but. 
you know what, the sun rises the next day, and, and you know what, they keep chugging along. And as you, you see, you know, Dan and this basketball team, they just rally around those seven guys, and especially T. Ward. And, you know what, they're doing a good job, and, and it's just it's amazing what two years can do, and it's amazing, uh, you know, kind of what kind of route life life has for you. And, you know, today kind of symbolizes that. Uh-huh, and as we turn, actually, to those answers, there was actually just news this morning that they might have answers of what happened to the plane crash and the very specifics, analytics of everything that happened um, up to this day. We still don't know whether it was an accident, whether it was mechanical, um, but there should be development soon on that. And kind of just touching actually on a piece that was just written recently, Matt Norlander from uh, CBS, I had the chance to meet him at the Final Four in Phoenix this past weekend, and I was able to talk to him about the piece that he wrote. If you haven't uh, seen it, be sure to check it out. He was just able to relate it with the families in so many ways. Uh, from an outsider's view, it kind of seems like it's bouncing all over the place, but you really get a feel of what those seven wives slash fiancés and their families were doing at the exact moment when they found out, even from the coroner and everything. So be sure to check it out. But even from his perspective, he's able to feel you know, how much this plane crash meant and he wanted to get it done before this April 7th date. And just so it just goes to show it not just it had national attention and then it still does even up to this year with his story and how everything has surfaced. And one thing we forgot to actually talk about was Pete Lee, his uh, war, coach ward shoes throughout the conference season. And we all know the success he had with those. Yeah, and that was just it. Is those Air were, Jordan Tens, the red ones? They were they were winning. He decided to throw them on, see what kind of mojo they gave him, and. They went undefeated in the Valley. He wore them throughout the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. Actually wore them all the way through the NIT as well. But, I mean, I believe he had, I believe Tori's mom mm-hmm. gave Paris the shoes. Janice, yep. Janice wore it at UAB. And uh, she gave Paris the shoes, and Paris had them in his closet and brought them out. And, you know, they, they did pretty well with them. But it's just, it's just little things like that that keeps the memory of those guys living on and just – you see all the guys on social media today, and Tory Ward really meant everything to that program, and a lot he recruited a lot of those guys, and so he's known them. He probably knew them the longest, probably talked to them more than than Dan did. And it's not a knock on Dan, but being a head coach, you're busy, and you know that's why you have a recruiting coordinator and guys who recruit recruit certain areas of the nation and Tory Ward just happened to recruit a lot of the guys that are on this year's team and and he was going to be a head coach no doubt uh direct words from Dan Muller and so I mean it's just it's still just a fresh wound and you know people are still trying to heal from it mm-hmm. and then as we move forward um from another loss um on a different different spectrum to another uh the Missouri Valley Conference just officially lost the Wichita State today to the AAC a huge, huge thing that we all saw coming, really, um, as the development went throughout the end of the season with Wichita being ranked such a high, or actually such a low seed in the NCAA tournament despite having 30 wins. Greg Marshall's clear frustration on the respect for the Valley and just for Wichita State in general. Um, kind of just what happens now, Mike. I mean, Doug Elgin just sent us a... Official statement just a couple minutes ago that 
the Valley will not concentrate or make any announcements regarding the future of the league moving forward until it addresses current concerns with its current teams. But there's um, there's got they got to be talking right now in St. Louis. Uh, I I'd imagine there's a bit of a panic in in those meetings and in those conversations between officials in the Valley, just because one you're losing a powerhouse in Wichita State, you're losing everybody's best game on the schedule, and that's one of the big things is you know they and you make- got to look at money. They're losing a lot of money with Wichita leaving. You had Creighton leaving a couple years ago. And we all know how much the Valley lost with them leaving, and now you got, like what you said, a powerhouse in Wichita State. Bye-bye. Yeah, and then the other thing is, who are you going to replace them with? And here's my thing, and it may sound funny, but you're not going to be able to replace Wichita State. You're only going to have somebody fill that void, Mm -hmm. because you're not going to be able to bring in a national powerhouse like Wichita State was. Exactly like what happened with Creighton. You see the Valley brought in Loyola. Thought they were going to get that Chicago alumni and media market. We all know how how bad it is for the Ramblers <laughs> to try to fill Gentile Arena, to try to get the Tribune, the Sun-Times to cover them. We know it's not there. So it hasn't worked out for Loyola. We kind of got to see what happens now with Wichita State and who they replace them with. Yeah, and all along I've been saying that I think they're going to dip into the horizon again and... Who they grab, I'm not sure. I know I keep thinking that UW Milwaukee is a big one, and I think I, I threw Detroit out there, but I don't. I really don't think Detroit's got that in their cards. But I think UW Milwaukee, UW Green Bay, and then unfortunately, you got to think that they just knowing how the last high, the, the last team that they brought in went, and I hope this isn't the case. But you got to think they're thinking about UIC. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think they're up there on the list. I, I would be surprised if it was UIC. But at this point, who knows who they're going to bring in. But I know a couple of the places that we've been looking have, have said that Belmont wants back in. They were supposed to be at a couple years ago when Creighton left, but they were going to honor. Um, they had just joined uh, They had just joined the A-10, I believe. Which team? Uh, the the Bel- Belmont. Excuse oh, yeah, yeah. Not, not the A-10. Mm-hmm. But they had just joined uh, their conference that they're in now. They wanted to honor that commitment. And as I'm looking at a website right now, St. Louis could be an option, but I don't think you're leaving the A-10 for the Missouri Valley Conference now. You might. That have would been. be that would be perfect for you know the league right being right there in St. Louis. But I think that's been talked about plenty of times how they just won't make that move. And the thing is, is you're now you're going to try and get them from the A-10, which you know you could see them leaving if Wichita State was still here, because mm-hmm. then you can make a case saying if you know with the addition of St. Louis, okay. Now they're they're getting better. The the valley looks a bit stronger. And they're just with St. Louis, you know, they're a big academic school. You know, as good as ISU is with all the majors they offer, St. Louis doesn't look at the valley and be like, "Oh, that's a those are awesome academic rated schools and programs." They don't that's not grabbing their attention. And as we, I mean, continue, but what we do know, we might not know who's joining the league or who they're adding. What we do know, the Valley will be meeting on Sunday with all the ADs in the in the league. Larry Lyons will be heading to St. Louis this weekend to, I mean, face that dreaded meeting of what's what's next for this uh, league. I personally think that they're going to go to an expansion. I think they're going to probably bring in three teams, maybe go to a, a, a division or two divisions, I should say. 
But I really don't know. I th- I and I, I I'm going to say it again. I really do. I think that panic has set in if you're the Valley mm-hmm. officials right now and you're the ads because now what do you do? Mm-hmm. Because now especially with you know the NCAA didn't respect uh, didn't respect Illinois State and Wichita State being 17 and one in the Valley. Obviously ISU you know didn't get in, got snubbed. And then you look at what Wichita State did with the tournament that unbelievably competitive game they played against Kentucky on that second day of that first round in the second round man that shouldn't have been played at least for another week or so but you want to look you so Mike you think they're going to bring in three schools I think they'll bring in three schools that's what that's what was looked at when Creighton was uh removed from the league or when they left the league they looked at I believe Loyola UIC Valpo and Missouri Kansas City those were the four schools that they looked to replace Creighton with Obviously, they only went with Loyola. You got to think if you know are those schools still involved. I know Valpo is high on that list, but it's kind of just question marks from here on out. Yeah, it's going to be a crapshoot if we're if you know if you're going to be honest because you know Valpo they're not that great of a team without Alec Peters. No, they're not, and that's just it is it's it is a crapshoot right now. And the thing is, is there's really no there's really no leads either. It's kind of just you know. Pick what you want, say what you want, and give your opinion. But I have no idea what's going to happen. And you have to imagine that next year is kind of just going to be – is it too late to restructure the, the, the schedule? I mean, you have to restructure it as far as Wichita State being on everyone's schedule. But how soon – if they're going to get a team in for next year or possibly three teams, they have to get it done. Mm-hmm. They have to really get the ball rolling on Sunday. And that's just it. Is there's you're coming down to the wire now. I mean, and it's not Wichita State's fault that they took forever. You know, it didn't. It was a, it was a pretty quick process actually. But it's not you know their fault. They decided to leave on April seventh, and you know there's a month left of school for most universities, and then you're right into the fall, and then you're right into the summer where summer spring camps, signing period is, starts next week, and it's just you know, and, and a lot of recruits are going to want to know: Am I playing in the Missouri Valley? Am I playing in the horizon? Where am I playing next year? And I mean, not to say that that's a be-all, end-all in their decision, but... But it is a big factor. And one biggest thing, like we talked about, is revenue and income from these teams. We don't have the exact, you know, money figures, but we do know when Creighton left, that was a big hit to attendance and the Arch Madness tournament down in St. Louis. 72,000 fans when Creighton was in the league. The immediate year after, not even 50, they were down to 46,000. And then as big as a crowd that ISU sent this year, Wichita State still, I mean, outnumbered them for the most part. And you got to think, losing all those fans, even adding four schools, I don't think you're replacing the numbers and the the waves of people Wichita State would send to support the Shockers. Not even close. And I remember sitting there on, on Thursday, or Wichita there State were more play. Wichita State fans there than those three than those four teams playing. I know on that Thursday playing game. I mean, we I sat there and we were sitting together, and I looked around and I was like, it's, "Wow!" <laughs> Just they weren't even playing. And You're to watching. be honest, <laughs> that was a down year for the for for them. Like what we liked, like I told you, like what I told many people, you know, you don't know if that's without because Ron Baker and Fred Van Vliet left, but there weren't as many as there were last year. Like there was a lot of open spots. But that damn that that is a huge Wichita crowd that the Valley is losing, and attendance is going to hurt, no doubt. And I guess that's just where I'm getting at with they're going to hurt in attendance is that they showed up to Thursday's playing games, where Drake, 
Evansville, Bradley, and Indiana State played each other. I know if I was going as a fan, I don't think I'm going there on Thursday to watch those games. And they still unpaid, got their you know got their money's worth, I guess. But I mean, even when you just go throughout the entire weekend, they were there in full force from Thursday all the way to Sunday, and you had they filled up probably a little bit more than half of the arena every time they can every time even with Wichita State wasn't playing but every time people were in the arena they filled up about half if not a little bit more and you have to just it's not even a question mm-hmm. it, it's just a matter of how much it does hurt them because it's going to hurt them it's so, just a matter of how much so it's kind of just a waiting game now with seeing who replaces them seeing if they add four schools instead of one but what we do know we know who's coming back to Illinois State for now um, we haven't had any players transferring. We, we just had a, an injury. But we know, for, for the most part, the roster now, and we know how dangerous they could possibly be. Where do you, where do you rank Illinois State in next year's Valley, knowing Wichita State is gone? Knowing they're gone, I think Illinois State is going to be – I think they're a one. I think they're up there at the top. But I'm telling you, I, and maybe it's just me, but this is – I keep telling everybody, watch out for Missouri State. If their if their if their roster plays up to their capabilities, they'll be up. They'll be right there with Illinois State. And you saw the two games that they gave ISU uh, at Missouri State, and it was the third game of the conference season this year. Both down to the wire, coming down to the last shot. The first game here at Redbird Arena went to overtime with Illinois State winning. I believe it was by three or four. Mm-hmm. When Illinois State goes there, it was the last three or four games of the ske- or the the regular season schedule for them. The Missouri State could win it on the last second three pointer. So you know you've seen that definitely they, a couple of those close wins that ISU could have lost. Yeah, and so I I truly think that if Missouri State figures it out and really plays to their potential, I think Missouri State could be up there. So right now I'm I, I'd say Illinois State's a one or a two, but you know without Wichita, it just gives it gives the Valley a whole different mm-hmm. look. And Is whole, it another seventeen and one year for Illinois State? No, I don't think so. I just you got to look at what they're losing as well with Paris, Deontay, and Tony. I and, and I know Dan has talked about it, and he said it, and I believe with you, um, in the in the after they lost in the NIT in an interview with him, they're lacking that leadership right now. And you know, if Mikhail comes back, they'll have that leadership in him. I'm sure he'll you know step up as a leader. But I just I think that that's where they're going to hurt for a majority mm-hmm. of the season, and that's where Paris and, and these seniors kind of let them. In close wins like Loyola, Missouri State, even here at home when they beat Wichita State by 14, you still need senior leadership to do you know to do things like that, and they're going to miss that leadership. And I just don't think that they pull away in a lot of these close games as they did last year. But you never know. But I do. I think that's where the. I think that's where they'll sit. I think they'll head into Arch Madness a one or a two seed. They'll probably find themselves into the championship game again and. Kind of the championship game, there. Yeah. Yep. And then as we, what Dan has always said, no games are easy, but you look at that, you know, current Valley right now without Wichita State there. It's you a saw cakewalk. How it's, it's sort of a cakewalk, and you're losing all these players, but, you know, with Mikhail back, road to the Valley, it's it's kind of easy. As, as much as Dan says, like, no games are easy, cause, and that's true, no games are truly easy, but with Mikhail McIntosh back, the the valley's kind of theirs for the taking. Obviously, Northern Iowa always got to be considered as a you know not a favorite, but you know a dark horse, whatever you want to put them. They, I, they lost so many players, but 
the the magic of Ben Jacobson has always it's always it's always there. And then like what you said, Missouri State, Paul Lusk there. I kind of think that's where the problems are centered around with the X's and O's of his coaching. So much talent there. So I kind of think those are the three t- top two top three teams in the Valley right there, that trio of Northern Iowa, Illinois State, and Missouri State. But then, again, we got to consider who they're bringing in, but we kind of just don't know. Yeah, and I 100% agree with you on those top three. And obviously, depending on who they bring in. And I don't expect them to bring in anybody that's yeah. going to compete for the Valley title. I really don't. Yeah, at least immediately. I do not see any team that's seriously considering joining the Missouri Valley that will step up and make an uh, immediate contribution in regards to finishing at the top of the league. Yeah, so I think those are the top three. Ben Jacobson, I mean, you just you see some of the teams he trots out there. This year was just a down year for them because mm-hmm. they had. But they, they even had, picked it up towards the very yeah, end. Yeah, they yep. had spurts where they looked like okay, you and I is finally turning it around. But you know, it just ended up being a down year, loss in the first round of of the tournament. Uh, I should say the Missouri Valley Conference tournament. They did not make the NCAA's, but you know, it's it's gonna be another, it's gonna be another down year for the Valley. If I, if, it's gonna be those three at the top. If I'm guessing right now, and obviously it's April 7th, and we're talking about next basketball season already. But if I had to guess, I think it'll be Illinois State, Missouri State, and you and I at the top, and then there's going to be a separation gap where you have your Bradley, Drake, Indiana State, mm-hmm. and that's where they'll fall. Evansville, they'll fall down the bottom. And Evansville, you know, you've seen what Marty Simmons has done there, and can they make a comeback and, mm-hmm. and compete for a Valley title? Who knows? It just, they lose Jalen Brown and. Obviously, he was just—he was their energizer bunny. He just kept going, and I mean, you've seen what he did to Illinois State in the first round of the Arch Madness this year. But you know, again, just so many factors to consider, just with scheduling, with with distance, with travel, and then kind of just the wor- the net worth of the program and what they bring. So everything is kind of just hands in the air right now for ISU. But you got to imagine if you're Larry Lyons, if you're in that athletic department, you got to think. After this year, after these next couple of years, if we can keep Dan here, uh, what's the next move for ISU? Yeah, I think, you know, and, and now it looks, now thinking about Dan leaving, <laughs> I know that we keep saying that he, he'll he stay, he'll stay. I, no. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. You look around the valley and I don't care where you went to school and, and where your degree says you're from and who you played for in college. But his name is on the rise and he knows that. And you, you, like what we said, as easy as a road, it looks like. Right now, for Dan to get a championship next year, you never know where his mind will be um, in the coming seasons. And the thing is, is his name's on the rise, and at the end of the day, like it does not matter where he went to school. Obviously, you know it's great that he's at his alma mater now, but we don't know how long that's going to last. Exactly, and who? It's a business at the end of the day. You think he's not going to chase a, you know, a bigger contract with a bigger school and in a better conference, especially now. I mean, you could make a case for staying in the Valley if Wichita State stayed and maybe they added a couple teams and then went to divisions and split them up. But with Wichita State gone, an unknown coming in, you don't know who you're bringing in, and just an uncertainty because you never know what's going to happen. I mean, obviously they're bringing back so many guys. You never know. They could have another year. Like They could have a, goal, have a 500 season in conference, you know, be middle of the pack and then go to Arch Madness and win a game and lose. You just never know, and, and that's just it. It's uncertain right now, and I think that's kind of where 
keeping Dan long term is it's uncertain mm-hmm. because he's gonna eventually it's inevitable he's gonna get a good job he's gonna get a good job offer at a bigger school in a bigger conference and probably a bigger paycheck and he's the coach on the rise you look at Archie Miller from Dayton just I mean joined one of the, probably one of the best jobs you can get in college at Indiana maybe not the same type of level Dan would get but you do know that Dan is on the rise. His his stock is raising game by game with with what he's done here at Illinois State. So everything's just up for grabs right now for Illinois State and the Missouri Valley. And it's not even jobs that are opening. It's just the fact that when you see, you know, like Georgetown, they let go of uh, Thompson this year. And you know, looking at who they had interviewed, they hired or they interviewed Mike Bray from Notre Dame, among others. So it's the fact that you know one job could open. And then they'll take somebody else's head coach, and then there's more vacancies. And you're going to tell me that Dan doesn't fit a lot of those programs? I just I, I disagree with you, and I think that eventually, at some point, this athletic department is going to have to go out and find a new head coach because Dan's going to get and not just a new else. head coach, but you got to think they want to switch leagues at some point, um, considering all things going on with the Valley. Lots to talk about. Lots that we did talk about today. Just two topics on this somber. Friday, April 7, 2017, Wichita State left the Valley, and today marks the two-year anniversary of the plane crash. I'm about to head over to Redbird Arena in a little bit to pay my dues. Uh, Mike, what's your plan for the weekend? I don't know. I got a, I got a concert tonight, uh-huh. and then outside of that, I'm just going to sit back and do nothing. I know got to you know, go out and cover the softball game and whatnot, but outside of that, I'm not doing anything. Uh-huh. So There are home stands for those fans interested for baseball and softball this weekend at Duffy Bass and right, right over there across at Tri-Towers um, for any fans wanting to go in and see some ISU baseball softball programs going in different directions. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about uh, when we touch in again next week. Yeah, it it this weekend I'll be will be telling. I mean, I know softball plays Loyola Chicago, who's I mean, believe they're one and eight right now in the valley. So I think they'll have a good weekend. But it, the baseball team welcomes in Dayton, and that one's going to be hit or miss. Who knows what mm-hmm. what team? A lot, is of close, show up. a lot of close games with that baseball team. Yeah, who knows what team's going to show up for Bo Durkak and staff? You know. It, I know we were talking on WZND last night on the Red Zone. Owen Miller was on, and he had just said they're going through a lot of growing pains right now. There's just a couple things that older guys and seniors on the team, there's mistakes they would not be making that these younger kids are, and it's costing them some games. And it's not a knock on them. It's just, you know, it's a new game. Division One baseball is a lot faster, a lot tougher, a lot more competitive than high school baseball is, and you know, so you can't discredit these kids. It's going to happen. It's growing pains, but that's just it. You never know what you're going to get with a younger team, and so I believe they're about to mm-hmm. their first pitch. It's about three ten right now, so I mean they're about an hour twenty from first pitch and opening mm-hmm. up that series. So I don't know. It should be a good one still because Dayton really isn't much much better than Illinois State, so it, it, it should be a good series this weekend. Bo Durkak really needs to get over that hump. Hasn't had that winning season yet at ISU since taking over. We will have lots to talk about about baseball and softball next week. But for now, um, you can give Mike a follow on Twitter at Mike Mara Ilstu. I am at JCT Sports. And follow all of us at The Vedette at, on Twitter at The underscore Vedette. Um, hopefully next week we will have 
Lots to talk about with baseball, softball, and also hopefully we would have talked to Kristen Gillespie, ISU women's, new ISU women's basketball coach. Who knows if she'll have a new coaching staff in place or some recruits coming in. But for now, make sure everyone gets out and does those seven good deeds for those fallen seven in Redbird Remembrance. For Mike Mara, I am Josh Tolentino, and this has been another edition of the Vedette Redbird Beat Podcast.